Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with One Rental at a Time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag One Rental at a Time. Now on with the show. Well, yesterday we heard from Beth Traverso talking about a seven-figure house in King County, a.k.a. Seattle, getting 20 offers. We're going to talk to Matt, the mortgage guy, about a San Francisco house, which, of course, has to be completely the opposite story because we all know how bad San Francisco is. We're going to talk about some 80s vibes coming from uh, the housing market, a la Ryan Lundquist. And, of course, we will talk about what's going on with refis and break-evens. Mr. Mortgage Guy, Matt the Mortgage Guy, how you doing? What's going on in San Fran? I'm doing good, man. And I always like a good story. I think it it, it helps provide some context to people. We talk about the housing park market being competitive. We talk about low inventory. Um, no better way to illustrate it than to give you a real life example. And the cool part about these conversations and, um, you know, YouTube and the internet in general is we're not talking about things that happened three months ago. I'm talking about an offer that went out yesterday, a conversation I had 42 minutes ago. And so here's how it went. Uh, three bedroom, two bath, 1500 square feet. I'm not an expert in all the neighborhoods of San Francisco, um, but I think in the description, it talked about being a couple blocks from Golden Gate Park. So maybe it's a desirable area. The house, quite honestly, isn't that special, um, but it is something that, clients that I work with and that are one rental at a time followers, like it, it's got the ability to kind of convert into two units. So it's okay. desirable for somebody who's looking to um, make it more affordable or, or generate income. So it's listed at 1.1 million. The Zoom call I had yesterday with the real estate agent and the clients, we're having a Zoom call, Mike, and the agent wants to know, Matt, how certain are you? I've already submitted this thing and got an underwrite on it. So I know the loan's not going to fall through. He's telling me in order to have even a shot, we've got to remove loan contingency. Guess what we wrote at Mike offer wise. Oh, I don't know. 1.11. You went just a tick over. 1.4. Oh, shit. It gets better, Mike. It gets better. Removed all the contingencies, wrote it one four, told them I can close it in 18 days, which, you know, we've got another 18 day close in Walnut Creek at one nine. Different story. This specific one, when I follow up this morning, Mike, we didn't even have a shot. Two wait, cash wait, offers wait, wait, higher wait, than wait. ours. Wait. So this little, <laughs> this little no nothing house in San Francisco comes out at one, one, your buyers want it bad. They offer a one, four remove contingencies. You find out Correct. less and than we, 24 hours later, they had no shot at one, four. Multiple cash offers above the one, four mark was what was communicated to the agent. He said, Matt, it'll probably be one, four, five, one, four, seven, five cash. 
Well, it blows my mind too. It blows my mind too. That hurts my head. That just hurts my head. Let, let's let's <laughs> play a little what if game. Let's just play what if for a minute. We both know, and we were screaming. They can go back and watch our playlist. November and December. Let's say this house came on in November and December. Slow rates are a little higher. Right before they came down. What does your gut tell you? And again, this is pure gut opinion. Take it with a huge grain of salt. But do you think this gets well? You know what's funny? Yeah, is 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 knowing what I know, and I I I can I'm literally in real time looking, and I'm like, man, that's a really nice. There is like what I would consider a comp that is one block over, beautiful, and like. The one they offered on, I hope they never listen to this. It didn't look pretty. It, it I mean, sure, for, from an investment standpoint, they can, they can, you know, cut it into two different units. Sold in October, Mike, for one, two, five. Three bedroom, two bath, one block over. And so, you know, this is something that it's not everywhere and it's not every house in every neighborhood, but it's competitive. There's not a lot of real estate for sale. And you know, newsflash to anybody watching, people want to buy real estate and there is so much pent up demand. It is, it's going to be a crazy year. It's going to be a crazy year in real estate. I just know it. I hope. And I mean, not every scenario is going to be this ludicrous, but in some areas it will. And even when it's not this ludicrous, buyers need to understand. I made a video about having realistic expectations. You're not getting sweetheart deals. And and really, if you're buying a primary residence, you don't necessarily have to look for a sweetheart deal. You're not just going to go out and pay any price for any house, but just understand that, you know, if you're going out there and you're buying your first house and you're looking at stuff at between 550 and 575, whether you pay 560 or 580, if you own the thing for 20 years, I don't think it's going to matter, quite honestly, but don't have an expectation that you're going to go out there and find that house for 525 just because somebody got it in November for 525. This is why I called on December 14th, or maybe it was the 17th, that spring selling season started. I just saw it coming. It's, it, yeah. I got to, I don't know how else to say it and keep it slightly politically correct, but this sucks. This sucks. It, it it really it really does. And if if listeners haven't checked out SacramentoAppraisalBlog.com, I might be more partial to it because I'm in Sacramento. But Ryan Lundquist puts out informative stuff. He's got graphs, and quite honestly, like it's interesting to me. Like if you check that blog out, Mike, that he put out yesterday, he's got clips from the Sacramento Bee from 1980 and 1981, and it's like, oh man. This, if we took the date off, could well describe where we're at uh, in, in, in Sacramento, a lot of parts of California today. Like one of these headlines, California faces still worsening housing shortage. And, you know, they talk about a sales slump and 79 to 80 year over year, March to March down 32% in transactions, right? A transaction crash. Not price. Prices were going up. And- yeah. And so, so a lot of this stuff, Mike, it just, it feels like we're, we're, and then, you know, there's article from 81 that I'm looking at that's talking about the search of the affordable home, right? Pent up demand waiting to be served. 
you know, there's, there's a huge group of, of, I, of baby boomers from the fifties and they want housing. Um, yeah, they were the, 30 years old. It's, in it's the challenging. 80s. Yeah, no, this, right. and so I mean, I, it's, I made a call a couple of years ago that we were going to repeat the eighties and it's happening right in front of us. And, and the reason that 1981 is important, whether you like it or not, it's still a fact. 1981 was the least affordable year to buy a home ever. And prices went up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And We're that's, having the 80s again. 80s on repeat. Too, yeah. I hate to be the bearer of bad news because, I again, I root for the buy side. But people have this. this I see this so much, Mike. It's one. It's it's one of my pet peeves. I'll be honest. People pointing to unaffordable, so home prices must come down. <laughs> like like you said, it it happened in the eighties. We saw unaffordable prices still went up, and and so to say that like I, I saw it again somewhere else. I think maybe somebody even commented on one of my videos. In order for it to get back to this level, prices need to come down, or rates need to come down, or uh, you know, uh, wages need to go to here. Says who? Says who? What? They're like the universe just says Billy Joe and and Sally. You know, it's unaffordable to them. So voila, magic wand. It's it, we're gonna we're gonna make those things happen. No, it's funny Not how it uh, works. No, Lance Lambert uh, uh, from Resi Club puts that, put out a uh, I don't know I guess a tweet or a message. I don't know what they're called. A tweet I guess. Basically saying in order for us to get back to 2019 affordability, I'm going to go from memory, so I'll be off. But it'll, the 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 you know the story's there. Prices fall 40 percent, interest rates go to two percent, incomes go up 37 percent. Those are all mathematically true, but nowhere is it written that housing has got to go back to 2019 levels. And more importantly. It doesn't have to go there quickly. And that's that's what the 80s taught us. I mean, I keep screaming, we're going back to the 80s, folks. I think we could have, relatively speaking, flat housing prices for five years. That'll eventually get back because rates will come down a little, incomes will go up. It will just, it will get more affordable slowly, right? There are people talking about a 10% housing crash. Any here, Let's put this out there. One of my biggest pet peeves is anyone who says we will have a 10% housing crash nationwide in a single calendar year. Why is that a particular heartburn for me? Well, I have done the research. And the largest national housing crash we have ever had in a single year was negative 8.9%. And that was when the problem was housing. So anybody that wants to talk about a 10% national housing crash in a single calendar year doesn't understand history. Now, could you have a 10% crash over multiple years? Sure, anything is possible. But in a calendar year, it just bothers me when people speak nonsense. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of the stuff that, that people point to would require a mass flood of inventory, even if you know, the economy struggled and people struggled. There's just things in place, Mike, that will not allow mass yeah. flood of foreclosure inventory to hit. Like it, they They're just won't allow that, that many again. people to foreclose. And, you know, yeah. and by the way, people aren't in the risky loan types that are 
you know, going to foreclose at the level that we we saw during that one period across the last hundred years where you could actually see, you know, national housing prices go down 8%. So I guess my, my thing to people is I'm empathetic to those that struggle because affordability is a problem and, and these are all issues. But to those who want it to be better just because it will be easier or hope that some magic, you know, event will happen to just voila, it's better. I, 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 I don't want you to hold your breath because yeah. it's just not very likely to happen. I was going to ask you something, Mike, because you know the 50-year the spreadsheet well, and um, I haven't looked at it, so you probably know it off of memory. If you look at like the 80s and 90s, where did that affordability index get, you know, quote unquote, good? Uh, it got increasingly better from 81. It got to be, I guess you would call it good in the late 80s, 90s. But he, here's even a better question because you're in the housing market. There's agents probably listening to this. Here's a question for you. We had peak housing transactions in 1978. Let's call it, I forget what it was. Let's call it 4.8 million. We then go on a rate increase for a while. How many years do you think it took for us to get back to and exceed the 1978 peak? Do you have a guess for transactions? For transactions. The way you phrased it, see, like I'm a, I'm, I'm a reader of people. I'm a poker player. So <laughs> just the way it was phrased, I know it's a long time. <laughs> um, so did it get back by the late 80s? 94. Woo! 16 years. We could be down at the bottom of transactions bouncing around for a decade. To where we are. When, when, like, this is a question for you then, um, considering where we're at, you know, bouncing around the, the 4 million annualized transactions, when do you think we get to 5 million? Ooh, 5 million. So again, 5 million existing home sales. So we exclude new home sales. 5 million. 27, 26, 27, 2026, 20, 2027. 20, okay. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's, it's not and this what were, year. What, what were existing home sales 20 and 21? I think 21 like was six. like six, six. Yeah. I think. Yeah. So that might be a decade and a half. Like we saw before. Yeah, exactly. If if it ever gets there because of, you know, that, that those, that, that was, those were well, wild just think times. about the population. Um, think about the population increase in 16 years. I mean, it's just nuts. Yeah. yeah so let's switch gears. What about, what about refis? We've seen rates come in. Uh, we're, we're seeing, I don't know if you saw it today. I'm sure you did. Purchase demands up 8% week on week. Refi demand actually down a little bit, 7%, I think week on week, but what's going on in refi land? Yeah, that's an interesting thing to talk about. You know, three three weeks straight as we enter 2024, uh, we see we see application demand up. You know, refinance demand is is down week on week, like you said. I'm having interesting conversations, and this is always my take: is what am I hearing? What are people telling me? And people are looking at a refinance transaction, and instead of saying this makes sense, they're saying, "But what if I wait?" And, you know, to, to people out there, I want to be careful in how I advise because you don't want to just, you especially don't want to talk to a salesperson, just take their word for it. Yeah, I should refinance. But 
you want to not always count on things playing out exactly perfect for you. Example, you've got a refinance that saves you $500 a month. And based on whatever the parameters are, true, true cost to you is $6,000. You know, that might be title fees, that might be um, some lender fees, whatever the case may be. You can look at that and say, there's, there's a 12 month break even. If I'm, you know, in this loan for 12 months and it's saving me $500 a month, but I'm baking in 6,000 in cost, it's a 12 month break even. Could rates be lower in nine months? Yes. Could they be the same? Yes. We don't know. I don't know if you're going to stay in that loan for nine months, 36 months, or who knows, like five years. And so people are pressing pause. Oh, if it makes this much sense now to make even more sense three or six months from now, yeah. I believe rates are going down. Yeah. I just don't know how, how much they're going down and how fast they're going down. We've seen changes already where, yeah. you know, we were all dead set that the Fed was going to, you know, cut in March. That's off the table, right? And so my, my word of advice to anybody listening is if a refinance makes sense, and you can recoup in the first 12 or 18 months. You're, you're, you're putting an insurance policy in place where if you stay in this loan, you're in good shape. Yeah, and for I, most I, people, that I just $500 want, per month. I just want people to hear it from me. I have said, and people can go back to years of videos. I've always personally used 18 months. If it's 18 months or less in a payback, and it's, of course, something I'm going to keep forever. Let's... You know, I wouldn't do that on a flip project, obviously. Um, 18 months is my number. If I can save money and fix my debt, you know, for 30 years, I'll do those. Ref but I won't do more than 18 months. I'll be like, ah, you know, we'll see where we go. So 18 months has always been my right. Number. I think when we start giving squishy ranges, people start playing with numbers. For me, it's 18 months binary. Right. Yeah. Yes, and, no. and it's, yeah. It's dependent on your scenario too. I, I talk to plenty of people that are, you know, this is a house I'm going to sell next year, or this is, you know, for whatever reason, it's 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 less permanent. But I think yeah, of course. taking out the insurance policy of take it while you got it, and then worst case, you you're in something that has a 16 month break even, and you and you refinance in 14 months, right? Yeah. And then you refinanced at that 14 month period because it was, you know, a dramatic improvement. You're like, I'm going to get this 499 while I got it. Cause for whatever reason, you know, Q2 of, of, of 25 rates are great and you can do that, but mm -hmm. you know, don't pass up on it just because you think it's going to get better. Cause then what you might do pay an extra 500 bucks a month for seven months and things aren't any better. And it's like, why'd you just put that yeah. $3,500 out into the wind? The, the, yeah. the big banks and the mortgage services, they don't need more interest from you. So don't, don't pay it if you don't have to. Yeah, the other thing we should talk about refis is I had a conversation with somebody the other day that listened to my rant about all the bullshit refis going on. And they were actually in a situation where if they were wanted to do it, the, the right answer was refi. So let me just give this example. This individual happened to have a house where they had a ton of equity. Let's call it half a million bucks. Their debt was... 50 grand, right? They've been paying it off for a while. They were almost done with it. And 
you know, they wanted to start a business. So they wanted to pay for this. So they wanted whatever, right? I'm not here to judge, but they wanted to go get a couple hundred grand. And they're hearing me rant and they're like, do you think we should go get a second? And they're telling me the seconds are like 12%, right? Or an equity line. And I'm like, well, you know, you know, do you have the money? Are you expecting the money, right? Do you, can you pay it off quickly? All of that stuff. And the answer is no, we're going to pay this off over the full term. And I was like, well, if that's the case, even though you have a, you know, 3% mortgage on the first, you're probably now again, go do the math, but you're probably better just doing a brand new loan because again, it's math folks, 3% on a hundred grand or 50 grand, 3% on 50 grand versus 12% on 200 grand. You slam those together, your blended interest rates, like nine and a half. But if you right, just yeah. do go a do brand a new loan, yeah, it's six, six nine, nine. Yeah. that, that, that's a great point. And you know, I'll tell you, with absolute certainty, the scenario you just discussed, refinance makes sense. And so that's oh, where yeah. people, you know, you can't, you can't take any piece of a mortgage advice, whether it comes mm. from me or anybody else as everybody should do this because yes. it's, it's specific to you and your scenario. What I will tell you is general advice. The bigger your first is with a 3% or a three and a quarter attached to it, the less likely it makes sense to do a refinance. Absolutely you owe 63, correct. You're you're pulling out 250. Cash out refinance probably makes sense because those seconds, they're they're yeah. they're a double digit interest rate. If you come yes. to me and you owe 652 and you've got it at 2.875, it's gonna take an act of God for me yeah. to tell you to refinance out of that, oh, right? Because yes. because yeah. you know, even if you need a hundred or two hundred, take it at 12% yeah. and leave the 2.875 alone at six point you know, at the 600 grand. So I, I think that's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's math. It's situational. I just, I felt bad, right. I was so passionate beating up these stupid call centers for just hurting people. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know what? There was a couple of situations, a couple of corner cases where the cash out refi is the cheaper and better option. So I felt bad not making that clear. Uh, but at the end of the if day, they want something the great I advice, Mike, they just got to go to great there you go. That's what I was going to say. If you want to get advice, whether to do it or not do it or run the numbers, greatmortgagebroker.com. Matt, I appreciate you. Thank you for being here every Wednesday. Thanks, Mike. It was fun.